Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, thank you for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. On this podcast, I try to interview really interesting people who are doing really cool things as entrepreneurs, whether they're a solopreneur or an entrepreneur or a business leader or just somebody who maybe has a job but wants to be a little more entrepreneurial. We just try to get to the gut of that entrepreneurial spirit and what it means. Try to get some advice for you because a lot of people who listen, you're either just starting out on your entrepreneurial journey, maybe you have a side hustle, or in a lot of cases you have a job and you're thinking, yeah, I'd rather go do my own thing. So I try to get some really good tips and advice from people who've been through the path ahead of you. Uh, and uh, as we're starting off the new year, a lot of people have a lot of ideas. There's a lot of potential out there for what people can do with their own career and their own business. And I think one of the best things you can do is join my Potential Mastermind Project. And that's my group coaching program that grew right out of this podcast. It happened because a couple listeners said, how come you don't do like a group coaching thing? And I go, I don't know, would anybody want to do it? And all of a sudden people said yes, and it's been growing ever since. Uh, you can find out all the information at it. Uh, about it at potentialmastermind.com. And I'll tell you what, if you're trying to do something more in the new year, uh, you're never going to succeed alone. You got to surround yourself with some people who will challenge you, support you, hold you accountable. And that's what we do in the Potential Mastermind Project. So go ahead and check that out. So today's guest is somebody who I met last week, actually. Um, you might listen to a podcast called The Morning Coach with J.B. Glossinger. He is somebody who uh, I'd followed for a long time. He was going to be in Austin. We had a mutual friend. He reached out to me and said, let's go to dinner. He brought another friend of his here in Austin uh, who used to live in Florida, kind of around the corner from J.B., guy by the name of James Ashcroft. And James, believe, James believes that if you're not growing – you're dying. And uh, he's probably right. I think the same thing is probably true. Uh, I was reading his bio and it was really interesting in the fact that we had something in common. If you listen to this show, you know that two years ago, I lost 30 pounds and I did that through taking up running. Well, for James, this whole conscious growth sort of side of his life began in 2012 when he rolled over and looked in the mirror and said, I'm a 38 year old guy and I'm fat. So uh, he went out and started running. Four months later, and he'd lost 40 pounds, he crossed uh, the Ironman Miami uh, 70.3 triathlon finish line, and he kind of shocked himself and all of his friends. And then fast forward five years, and now he's completed a full marathon and four of the six major marathons. So uh, that's pretty cool. I only ran, as you know, if you listen to the show, I ran a half marathon a year ago, and I've continued to run, but not at that level. In fact, a lot of people say after you run a half, you know, after you run a half marathon, you're going to want to run a whole. They were wrong. I have no idea or no desire to do that, but uh, I think it's great that James has done four of the six. My guess is he's going to do the other two very soon and he will have run all of the major marathons. Uh, but James is more than just a, a now skinny runner. He's also the owner of a fire security business that's located in South Florida. He bought the company four years ago and he has grown that business both organically and through acquisition from 17 employees to now over 70 and continues to grow and maintain a profit and, and become more successful. He has also in the last couple of years decided that Florida's great. 
but the cool kids all live in Austin, Texas, which clearly I think he's right. And so he moved here and uh, he's involved with a lot of stuff. And uh, last year he launched Growing Not Dying. It's a Facebook group that helps motivate entrepreneurs build successful businesses. So he and I have a lot of stuff in common because we do a lot of the similar type things. So when I met him at this dinner, we sat across from each other. And the more he talked, the more I knew he had to be a guest on this podcast. So James Ashcroft, welcome to cool things entrepreneurs do. Hey, thank you very much, Tom. Really appreciate it. And uh, I'm blushing a bit, you know, from that from introduction. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. People send these introductions like blah, blah, blah. I always like to make them sound more fun, more exciting, get to the heart of it. But the reality is, who cares about a bio? The reality is, what is it that you say that you do? Tell you. Why don't you tell everybody about James Ashcroft and about your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, so um, my background is originally from England, and I moved moved to the states and uh, specifically Florida, and then uh, just grew up. You know, just like a regular kid. I was actually a musician. That's my first calling in life. Nice. But, you know, my kind of uh, my creative side stems from that. Um, and in my late twenties, kind of found myself uh, itching to start my own business. I had worked uh, in numerous industries, uh, the music biz. Um, you know, I'd worked for retail and. And uh, ended up starting a company with my friend, and we grew that business um, and uh, enjoyed a, a good run and until 2008 hit and <laughs> uh, lost 80% of our business. We were in the construction sector. Specifically, we sold uh, and exported construction products to the Caribbean. So that entire market went away, uh, and it gave me about two years of self-reflection, asking myself what I wanted to do next. Um, and I ended up finding an opportunity in the fire security space um, that is the opposite of what I used to do in the sense of uh, my export company was waking up in the morning. What am I going to sell today? Fire security is a recurring business. It's coded, heavily regulated, um, uh, very strong uh, barriers to entry. So it's been a great run. Spent the last five years rolling a handful of companies into it and putting management in place and uh, you know, essentially... Um, making this thing run on its own so I could have the freedom to leave South Florida and follow my wife and uh, uh, I's uh, dream of moving uh, back to Austin, Texas. We lived here 20 years ago. So, so, that's, so that's, that's interesting because you started off as a musician. And it's funny, I've interviewed a few people who are actors and comics and, and really and musicians. And really, I kind of lump that into being an entrepreneur. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to be a successful actor or comic or musician – it's sort of that you got to get up and carve your own path in the world. There's nobody who says, oh, here, let me sprink sprinkle fairy dust on you and you're going to be successful in the entertainment industry. And I think if you're going to be a performer like that, it's the same thing that you and I go through now trying to you know, create and grow a business, no matter what that is. Do you see similarities between sort of being an artist and being an entrepreneur? Oh, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, when you start a business – you are the accounting department, you're the legal department, um, you're, you're everything and all things, right? So uh, these uh, comedians or musicians, yes, they have a specific skill set being, you know, playing the piano or guitar or acting, but it, they are their own agent for themselves. They've got to get up every day and forge ahead. They don't go to a regular nine to five job. They have to uh, use their you know, almost business know-how just to just to navigate and carve out a career for themselves. So I, I, 100%, I put them in the same category as entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship is very sp uh, broad spectrum these days. And, and, I, and I do interact with artists and um, freelancers and 
creative types. And I absolutely consider them entrepreneurs. So, you know, it's interesting, though, because, you know, I interview a lot of people who kind of took the corporate path and, and then felt that they had their ladder against the wrong wall. And I always find it interesting when I interview people who sort of started off as, as a young man or a young woman doing their own thing. So do you think that you had some sort of an innate gene or, or what was it that allowed you to just chase your own dreams early on? <laughs> Well, I think there's, I mean, definitely, so my father's an entrepreneur, so I saw him, you know, carve out his own career, uh, putting together business. So um, I, I think there is, um, I do see a trajectory from being a musician, kind of doing your own thing. Uh, so for me, it was very hard for me to always be boxed into a, to an office and working for someone else. It just didn't feel good to me. And I think Gary Vaynerchuk says that, you know, it would starve his oxygen, right? Like he, he would suffocate <laughs> if he had to go to uh, work for somebody. And I kind of feel the same way, you know, it, 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 it's really motivating and freeing to get up every day working for yourself. It, it definitely has a, a, an immense pros and cons list. It's not for everybody. For, for me, it is, uh, is the right choice. Well, and I noticed hanging out with JB, you know him better than I do, but hanging out with JB Glossinger from Morning Coach, you know, I think if you put him in, you know, like a cubicle, his head would explode. I think there's oh, some people who that's yeah. just their thing. Yeah, for sure. And he, and he's a, he's a tremendous entrepreneur. I mean, that guy is constantly pivoting and reevaluating his business, his audience, what their needs are. And um, that's entrepreneurship one-on-one. So, you know, my, my thought, though, is, is that, you know, you started off as a musician, maybe you're part of a band, but it's kind of your own, your own thing. Then you went on and started something with a partner where you were doing this export business. It probably wasn't a lot of people. Well, now you have a company that's grown to 70 people. And I've started, I began this podcast interviewing a lot of solopreneurs and people who are just starting out. But I'm starting now to interview people who have companies with 70, 100, 200, 700 or more employees. What's the biggest difference when it's not just you? Wow. I mean, you know, it's when it, when it's just you, uh, obviously you have speed, right? You can just make a decision and do it when you have other people. And I'm finding out as our business scales, you know, uh, the interpersonal leadership skills become more and more valuable. Uh, it's something that you really have to invest in. You have to understand what motivates people. You have to understand that people are okay. You know, some of the calls with my staff are not just numbers. They're like, how are you doing? How are you feeling about your, your seat on the bus? Uh, what's going on, you know, how you feeling when you walk through the door and some very deep, meaningful conversations stem out of asking these right questions. You know, it's not all about, you know, show me the P&L, the balance sheet. There's, there's so many stories um, going on in, in, in a business that you really need to understand that. And it's not just numbers. It is also about the human factor. So I really have dialed that in. Um, you know, I'll make a short list of top three things I want to accomplish uh, in a sit down meeting with my team. Uh, and uh, it's not always about the numbers, you know, it's, it's about what's the vibe like, what's the culture like, how is everyone doing, everyone getting along and, uh, and kind of guiding those conversations. So, so, so you have to kind of stem out into more of the human experience as you scale the company. So now that you've been doing this forever, I guess, what do you love about the life of being an entrepreneur? What is it, what is it that you look back at your life? I mean, you're in your mid forties, you look at your life and say, yeah, I like this because why? Well, I think it ties into the last uh, piece we were just talking about, you know, the leadership of other people. I really enjoy that. I generally like that. Um, so it's, uh, so it's, it's a fun process for me to learn how to do that and to execute on it. I've also um, got a real strong desire to learn. So it gives me a, 
reason to get out there, to go to conferences, to go to, for example, the dinner we attended the other night, you know, it was, it was that curiosity. So I, I could probably come away with one nugget of information, some piece of wisdom that kind of you know, changed my mind. And then I can scale that out into my personal life and into my business life. So I would say that just to satiate curiosity is a big one. And then it is also to be involved with, with people uh, on a very human interpersonal level for me is the big thing. And then obviously there's, there's other levels of it. You know, you know, I enjoy the freedom, being my own boss, being charged my own ship and all that stuff. But at its core level, it's, it's, it's the curiosity and the, uh, the leadership of other people. So have you ever had times throughout the journey, whether it was back when you were a musician or maybe it was during the recession when the export business was failing or lately where you think, oh yeah, I should have gone and been a banker. Um, absolutely. I mean, you know, when you, when you get a phone call one day and you, you know, you find out that, you know, oh, I say one day, I, I mean, over the course, <laughs> I mean, there was a, a specific day, but then over the next couple of months where you, you lose 80% of your business, literally your customers go out of business, you kind of stand back and say, what have I got myself into? You know, it was some deep days, you know, questioning, um, you know, what I was doing. I mean, I'm not, not ashamed to say I, the many days where I was sitting in a corner, just really having a tough, sad time, you know? Um, and so it'd be much easier if I, you know, had a job that you could held onto at that time, you know, but the, the pros list is just so much more attractive to me. So I, I try not to dwell on it. You know, there's certain aspects of being an entrepreneur I don't like, you know, but it's, uh, but in, in the whole, it's, there's no other choice for me. Well, but it's it's good that you share that because sometimes people gloss over those days. They're sitting in the corner, you know, sort of holding themselves rocking. And yet all the entrepreneurs I know, when we go have a beer and we talk about it, we've all had that. I mean, we've had the time where, you know, you didn't have sales for two months and you think, you know, even as a solopreneur, I don't have to worry about paying anybody else. But, you know, if I don't make a sale for six or eight weeks, I do have to pay a mortgage. And, you know, my kids want to do things like eat. And my daughter's at a very expensive college. And, you know, it's it's you just start getting nervous and, and you start just thinking, what what have I done? You know, am I doing the right thing? And then, of course, usually there's sunshine down the line. And you're right, the, the stuff does pay off. But if you if people listen to the episode a couple episodes back, I just told a story about a guy who I met in a bar and, you know, he was kind of a young guy and he was kind of making a pivot in his career. And we were talking, he was asking for advice. He was very curious. He wanted to, you know, he found out what I did and he, you know, asked a lot of questions. But the one thing I told him is I said, look, this is hard. And it doesn't matter if, you know, he's a lawyer by trade. I said, it doesn't matter if you work for a law firm or you hang out your own shingle or you go become a consultant or you do whatever. It's hard. Life is hard. And that's something that I don't think we, you know, as a society have told our kids. I mean, I look back on my own life and I think, you know, when I was 15 or 20, I thought, oh, by the time I'm 30, I'll probably have it figured out. And then by the time I'm 40, I'll have it figured out. Now that I'm over 50, I realize nobody ever told me it's always hard. Business is hard. Relationships are hard. And, you know, unless you win the lottery, you don't get to a point where it's like, you know, pancakes and roses all day long. And that's okay. That's part of the excitement. But I love the fact that you were honest and talked about, yeah, there were times where, you know, no, thank you. What am I doing? Yeah. You know, um, I, I specifically remember the time I was sitting in my car talking to my family on the phone, like what, 36, 37 at the time or whatever. And, and, and crying saying, what, what is going on? You know, like, who am I? What's, what's this all about? And, uh, it's, it was, it was tough, dark days and that's part of the deal of starting your own thing. You know, I've, I've lost a lot of money trying new things wrong. I look back and think, God, <laughs> that was insane. What was I thinking? But that's, everyone has those stories. Every entrepreneur, every successful entrepreneur is neurotic, has issues, right? That, that's the baseline. That's how I look at it now. 
some have just managed to dig into their strengths and, and scale those and been successful. Others never get off the ground, but it's a big spectrum. But there's one thing is that anxiety is a, is a human experience that we all share. That's not going to go away if you own your own business. Um, to your point about you know winning the lottery, I mean, the statistics on people who win the lottery and then go bankrupt is like 90-something percent. <laughs> like their lives generally get better after they – their lives get worse after they win the lottery, you know? So, so my takeaway from that is money is not going to fix anything. Success doesn't fix anything. They're always going to be neurotic. So I embrace it. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, I, I do a lot of group stuff. And I know you have your mastermind, which is amazing because you're dialed into the, to the group vibe because I think at the end of the day, people just want to make sure that they're thinking is not just pure insanity. And when someone says something out loud to a group of people, everyone nods their head and go, that's the way I'm feeling. It's amazing that they're just basically getting permission to feel like like a human being, which is a lot of anxiety. <laughs> We've all got our neuroses, you know, the ups and downs, the, the super happy, super sad, all these things. And that's all part of uh, running a business. That's not going to change owning your own business, you know. Well, and the, and the group thing, I like the group things because you never know when two people are going to come together and it's like, bam, that makes total sense. Two of the people who were the newcomers at the new year to my group uh, that, I, that I host were the only two who logged on one day to a call. And they met each other and we talked about what their goals were for the year and kind of the stuff that I try to talk through about potential and and the gap between potential and results and, and why potential doesn't mean results. And then they talked about what they did. Well, the one gentleman <clears throat> had written a book. And he was trying to put it out there as a way of promoting his business and some other stuff. But he'd kind of gone through, you know, a publisher and done some things and didn't really work out necessarily the best way. He didn't know what he was doing. Well, the woman on the call has one of her business lines is she's sort of the book doctor. I mean, I think somebody else actually owns that URL, so she couldn't get that. But but she's like, if you published or self-published a book and it didn't go right, she can fix it. As long as you own the rights to the book, she can help you relaunch a book. And they ended up talking offline and he hired her. The next time I got them both on the call, they're like, well, we got our money's worth out of being part of your group in one call. Him and the fact that he found her, her that she got a client. She's like, hey, this was great. And I'm like, that's the dynamic of why you join some sort of a group. It's not because of the guy who has the podcast. It's, oh, I want access to, to James or to Tom or whatever. I mean, whoever the leader of the group is, they're great. The power in these groups often comes from the other people you meet who are part of the community. Oh, there's no doubt about it. You know, um, you know, you and I both bought into the whole group thing and um, uh, there's so much value just to talking out loud yes. and being heard. You know, so many entrepreneurs, they can't bring this home to their spouse. You know, they just nope. don't want to come home and just be that negative Nancy, you know, <laughs> the head down saying, oh, you know, that's just not fair. Um, you know, we, we know what we signed up to. You can't talk to your business partner a lot of times. You, you might be having issues with your business partner. You, you know, uh, that that relationship tends to ebb and flow anyway. Um, you know, so, so a lot of entrepreneurs feel very isolated and it's just amazing to me. You know, we'll have someone talk about an issue they're having and you can just see, just do a quick check-in. So how are you feeling after you said that? And they're like, you know, I think I just answered my own question. I just needed yeah. to, I just needed to have an audience just to talk my process through. So oftentimes, you know, there isn't much to do for them other than saying, hey, we'll meet you back here next week uh, with another issue that you're going to have inevitably. But uh, people tend to kind of fix themselves just by having that those people around there really, really care and support them. And um, so that's why I've, I'm spending more and more time now 
facilitating these groups uh, than ever before because I just feel it's a really impactful way to, to help people. I agree. So what advice do you have, James, for somebody who, you know, let's say they're listening to this and they're like, I, I, I need to be doing my own thing. Tom's doing it. James is doing it. I want to start my own business or I want to, like you did, buy a business. What advice do you have for somebody? Well, it's something I'm really, really dialing in on lately. I've always been a huge believer in this, but but lately it just seems to be like the universal truth and just solving all my issues and really helping other people. And it's just going back to the basics. And one of the basics um, is just 80-20 everything. You know, really understanding that, that, that if you have goals, let's say you have a list of, um, well, let's just say you have a goal and, and there are 10, way, 10 things you should be doing um, to get to that goal. I mean, 20% of that list is going to give you 80% of the results that you're trying to achieve. And so many times I see entrepreneurs, you know, working on way too much and not getting anything done because they haven't taken the time to, to ask that question. Um, that I don't know whether you're familiar with Gary Keller's book, The One Thing. Oh, sure. He's, he d- he's another yeah. Austinite. See, all the cool yeah. people live in yeah. Austin. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's basically what's the one, the question he asked himself and now wrote a book about it, asked his teams and asked, uh, the, the offices are down the road from us and I've spent some time in their training center and they have a whole program based around this. But, you know, it's asking yourself, what's the one thing you can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? So most of that list of 10 things is pretty unnecessary. It doesn't mean they're not important and stuff, but they don't really help you get to your goal quickly. You know, they don't give you that 80%. So if you sit down and you spend time, um, you know, the second part of this, the, the two pieces of advice to get the 80-20 is also get back to some pen and paper. You, the power of decision-making is in a, uh, I'm fully convinced, is in a legal pad, right? You get a legal pad and a pen and you write down your problems you're having. You write down solutions, give this problem some time to, you know, to, to kind of breathe. Something on that list is the best path of solution and then take that solution and break it down into chunks and what are the top two things you can do to get to that goal. So it's a blend of 80-20 and journaling are my two biggest things. I know it's not sexy to say that because a lot of people will say you got to hustle, you got to take action. But the problem of hustling without a conscious plan is that you can, you can spend a ton of time and you're kind of nodding and agreeing with me. You can spend a ton of time and really good energy chasing the wrong thing. You know, that's, that's really depressing. You know, when you get there and be like, I just did this, whole, you know, I spent two months working on this project and it wasn't even what I should be doing for my business. You know, it's like taking the time to sit down with pen and paper, you use the 80, 20 and really figure out what the best course of action to take is. It just, I'm just such a huge believer. And then if I can, Tom, I just, you know, I'd be remiss to say, if I didn't say, you got to find the right mentors. <laughs> Everybody's done what you're doing. You know, there are, you can go to the library. There are thousands of mentors on the shelf, you know, start reading, you know, get involved in a group, a mastermind, all these things. And then find a mentor. Mentorship doesn't mean a formal, like, Hey, buddy, will you be my mentor? You know, it, it's, it's finding someone, Hey, can I, can I give you a ring sometime and talk about, uh, just something that's on my mind, you know, 10 minutes of your time. Yeah. And then having a conversation with someone, but always being that kind of mentee 
uh, mindset is just a huge thing. You'd be surprised that, you know, people, very successful people jump in and they want to help you. you <laughs> I know? just talked about this on the episode that dropped a week before, two episodes before this one. Uh, I talked about this exact thing and, and a lot of the stuff we're talking about, I'm laughing as you're saying it because I've only known you a week and we're sort of kindred spirits on all this stuff is that, you know, at the end of the day, figure out whose job do you want? You know, who has the job you want? Who's living the life that you want? And then reverse engineer it a little bit. And part of that is call them and ask them, how, how did you get here? Be curious about their life. And when you ask people, you know, how did you get so successful? You know what they often do? They often tell you and they'll sit you down. You might not be able to leave. You might be there for hours. Now, the flip side is you can't reach everybody. I mean, if you want to sit down and have coffee with Michael Dell, he might not take your call. So although he is another Austinite, he should take my call, but you know, he probably wouldn't. So sometimes if you have somebody and you said, I want that person's life, maybe you're not going to reach them. But like you said, there might be a biography at the library about them, or maybe they've been interviewed on podcasts. Success leaves clues. So even if you can't meet with the people who you admire, oftentimes they've left their success map and you can reverse engineer at least parts of it sort of along the way. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, you can take action and hustle and have your ladder against the wrong wall. You can be really successful at things that you don't like doing, but what a bummer. And people who know me know that I did that for a long time. I did that in corporate America. I was successful but I had my ladder against the wrong wall. And, and, you know, for several years I do now, but for eight, six years, I didn't make as much money pursuing my own thing, but I was happier. I mean, my wife, people are like, oh, you guys have taken a lifestyle hit. My wife's like, yeah, but he's so happy. You know, I'd rather have less money and have him smiling than coming home every day grousing. So, you know, I think that I teach, and it's basically what you just said, that you got three buckets. You got to have your plan, which is you got to have your goals. You got to have your purpose, which is kind of Simon Sinek's why. You got to know why you're doing things. And then it's people. So it's plans, purpose, and people. Everything falls into those three buckets. Then go take action. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and just not being guilty of this <laughs> so many times in my in my career, it's like, you believe in the hustle and just put your head down and work really hard. Um, you know, and I know that some, some, some of you in the audience are like, I don't have time to sit down and write a list. It's like, I think you need to sit down and ask yourself why you don't have time to write a list. You know, I, I see it all the time, you know, not to go woo wooey here, but you know, Gandhi yeah. said, if you don't have an hour to meditate, you take two hours to meditate. I mean, you really got to think, you know, if you don't have the time, you got to create the time, you know? So, uh, I'm just a firm believer in that. I might be, you know, a bit, bit hardlined on that, but I just don't believe that you're so busy. You don't have time to sit down and plan your day and plan what you're working on. And I, I think so much is lost. Uh, so much energy is lost. It's just the, 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 what do they call it? the Archimedes lever? You know, just, just the point is the best thing you can do is sit down and write down what, ask the questions yourself. What am I trying to achieve? What's my goal? How am I going to know that I'm on the right path? All these things, answer your own questions, then chunk everything down, 80-20. How, what in my list here gives me the most results and work on those first? <laughs> Let, and then life gets in the way and then you, you still go to bed feeling successful because you got what you need to get done, done. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Now, the other question kind of alongside of this is I spend a lot of time talking about this gap between potential and results. I think a lot of people start businesses or they want to start a business and, and, and they have potential. They've got the right background, they have the right experience, and then the business fails. So why do you think there's a gap between potential and results? And then what else can people do? You may have already answered this, but what else can they do to get across it? Yeah, I mean, I think I did give you my, I kind of, just gave you everything right out of the gate there. I, I can't think of anything else. I mean, honestly, the, the biggest lever point, and I'm just going to 
double up on my time with it, I guess, is, is just you, you have to plan. Asking the right questions is business. That's what it is. I mean, what does my customer really want? What business am I really in? Which is a very simple question on the surface, but a lot of people confuse the businesses they're actually in. You know, um, they, you know, so, so asking the right questions, spending time planning, spending time with your team, your partner, actually sitting down and, and working on these things is, I think, is really where the gap is because hustle it, it, you know, hustle's sexy, right? I mean, look, look at Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, Vaynerchuk, just again, as an example, you know, I mean, he's got his daily V um, and all these things that show how busy he is. But, you know, if you follow him enough, I mean, everything is planned out with that guy. And he's it's got, all 80-20. He, he, he only oh, does the 20% of things. He only that, focuses. I mean, he's, the, he's a great example of, of, uh, of, of figuring out literally a line down the middle of the page, you know, stuff I love to do on the left, stuff I hate to do on the right. And he's got like two things in the left column. <laughs> That's and all he does. A massive list and he hires out everything else. Yep. And he has someone saying to him, what, how can I maximize every moment to be doing those two things? Yeah, no, I mean, that, I that's his life, and so he's basically saying, "Fill me. I'm the evidence of my system." A lot of people, a lot of people don't understand what he's doing. He's showing how to execute on a goal. That's all he's doing in that show, you know, which is for me tremendously uh, powerful stuff. So, so to just know what you're good at, and that, that that whole knowing what you're good at, knowing what you you're not good at or you don't like doing. That right hand column, by the way. That's in all those things. That's one job description. Well, that's one long job description of all the stuff you're going to build a business around. You're going to be like, I, I, I hate doing the finances, my company. Okay. There's your controller position. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hate social media. I can't stand it. You know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. That's your marketing position. So the sooner that you get to know where your strengths are and what you like to do, and you can have them in that left column, that's, that's the basis of building a company. That's awesome. Hey, I'm not going to let you go yet. I got more questions. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Hey, Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like James Ashcroft. I tell you it all the time. They're the best vendor that I work with, and this show never would have happened if I hadn't partnered with Podfly. So if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So James, I call this show cool things entrepreneurs do. So what's the coolest, newest, most exciting thing you're doing with your businesses right now? Well, uh, for me, uh, the most exciting thing is that uh, I've launched this group called Growing Not Dying on Facebook, um, which is about 800 entrepreneurs and uh, people who are motivated um, to succeed in whatever they are doing. Uh, I'm just super excited because, you know, I spent a few years uh, in uh, Entrepreneur Organization's Accelerator Program, running that program in South Florida. And uh, it was a tremendous experience for me of helping companies scale from under a million to over a million. And what I found is I really, really enjoy having more of the discussions that you and I are having today, right? It, it is that what are the leverage points in your in the way that you think about things, leveraging your strengths and asking better questions in order to build better businesses. So I really, really have enjoyed that. So that's what my coaching is all about is, is, is 
basically being a sounding board reflecting back um, and, and running through the filter of my experiences. So it's it's been a really exciting thing. It's just made me a better better leader because you know that, or so you probably know the saying better than I do, but if, if you know, you don't know something until you can teach it, if you, until you can break something down to its most simplest terms. And so for me, uh, you know, being a coach in EO's accelerator program, it really um, allowed me to, to think about my knowledge base and then how do I crystallize it down into core concepts that can cross all lines of business and have discussions about them. So, so it's been really, really enabling for me to, to, to have these experiences and then, then to start focusing on the right questions. Um, so, so in a nutshell, my, my, my group has been really important to me last year or so. And people can find that on Facebook at growing, not dying. All yeah. Yeah. Just put it into the search bar tool growing, not dying. It's a, it's a group. Yeah. Awesome. That's fantastic. So I love it when someone comes on the show and they share sort of what other entrepreneurs they admire. Cause I think entrepreneurs, I, I think they're observers, right? I think we do more than just want to make money. So I ask all the guests, who is it that you see out there where you think that now that entrepreneur, they're doing something cool. Yeah. Um, I've actually got um, two answers for that and I'll make them both very brief. Um, Tim Ferriss has done an amazing job, I think with his book of tribe of mentors and, and, and didn't he move to Austin? Did I hear that recently? He, yes, he did. Everybody's yes, he did. in Austin. Uh, it's becoming pretty popular and for, uh, you know, I don't know when this is going to be, uh, published, but Amazon's looking at, uh, moving to Austin. <laughs> so it might get very crowded here, but, um, uh, Tim Ferriss ha- has a really interesting way to look at things. It really ties back into the 80-20, which is he asks himself now, whether it's a project, relationship, or whatever, he goes, what does easy look like? And I just love that because it, it, so many times we um, make things overly complicated uh, where we could just make things so much easier. I just love that. I think it's a really cool trend that he's on because it's kind of manifesting in all his content he's putting out there, um, is, is, is sharing how his his hacks of making things easier is when they're easier, you just get them done. Right. So, and another cool thing, which is more of a mindset thing. Are you familiar with Tucker Max? Who's actually from Austin too. <laughs> another one right? from Austin. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know Tucker, but uh, right. uh, his uh, book in a box, his business partner, the guy who runs that has been on cool things. Entrepreneurs. Do. Oh, well, I, I haven't met him, uh, but I hear, um, he, yeah, the guy running his company is just, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. So um, I watched this, uh, this interview with Tucker Max recently. And what was super interesting was that for you, if you guys who aren't familiar with him, he sold 30 million books. He invented an entire genre of course, Fratire, um, which is basically him journaling his uh, experiences with with women and drinking in his 20s. Very, you know, his book is called like, what, Assholes Don't Go to Heaven or something like that. Or I, I can't remember the names. Uh, oh, I hope they serve beer in hell. Well, that was one of them, right? So, <laughs> so uh, he's extraordinarily successful, uh, starts this business book in a box and quickly realizes that he doesn't have the tools to scale this company. I just thought it was such a cool acknowledgement that, you know, he, you watch this interview. I mean, he's got, he was in therapy for four days a week, kind of deconstructing himself. And he got to the point where he put his ego aside after selling 30 million books to realize that you can't do it alone. And there are people out there who can take your company and run it better than you will ever run it. And I think that is a truth, whether you're hiring for, for, for management, there's someone who can be you know, an example of my company, my operator, she's, she, she lives for operations, you know, and she's amazing at it. And, 
you know, and, and so for Tucker to realize that for his, for the sake of his company's future, he needs to get out of the way and bring a CEO in was for me, it was very commendable. And I think it's a lesson we can all learn from, mm-hmm. you know, just because we start something, it doesn't mean to say we can take it to the finish line. Right. Well, and that's, I mean, living in Austin with the whole tech community, I mean, that's a common thing. There's a lot of people who know that their strength is the startup. And as soon yeah. as they reach a certain phase, they give it to somebody else and they move on to the next thing. And, you know, that they've been extravagantly successful and been a serial entrepreneur because they know they know who they are and what their strengths are. And I think for all of us, it doesn't matter what we're doing. You got to know, hey, I know what I know what my strengths are and this is what I'm going to do well. Yeah. You got to let go yep. of certain pieces of your business as you grow. And that really starts out after, with the first hire. You know, you got to know that, you know, you can't you can't be good at everything. You don't want to do everything. Be conscious of that and then build a job description and hire um, to accelerate your business. Yeah. And in fact, last year I thought I had the, the, the greatest new hire and he was, he was perfect, but, uh, he was working part-time. He had another job and then he had a side hustle and I took third place and he decided he wasn't being fair to me. And it was a bummer cause he could have been perfect. He could have grown into a full-time job of, of really sort of helping me grow my speaking business and, and, and the podcast. And so I'm not actively seeking a replacement, but, uh, I do have my eyes open cause the, the right person to come along who could partner with me to do this. I think we could do some pretty cool things, but it's, it's hard to find when you got to start part-time. So I just have to find the right, the right mix, but you are right. It, you know, the wrong person can cause more problems than good. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, hiring can be the most costly thing you can ever do in your business. Having, having the wrong people. And sometimes you're not even aware that they're the wrong people. It takes a while. Um, well, that just comes down to having the infrastructure in place to manage people. But we could go, we could chase that, that, that rabbit be for down next a very time. deep hole. Yeah, that yes. could be the next yeah. podcast. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Hey, the, the last question I ask everybody is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think entrepreneurs want to do more than make money. I think they, they want to leave a mark. So how do you serve society, if you will? Well, you know, at the, at the risk of uh, promoting my group, I mean, this is really honestly how I feel like I'm giving back. Is, 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 is I put together a structured group um, to, to, to spend time in. And it, this, there's a culture in there. There's no dumb questions. I mean, you know, it's, it's, we, we have a beginner's mindset in that group. You know, you, you can ask most what you deem basic questions about business, but often those basics are the fundamentals that people miss all the time. You know, uh, you know there's, there's, no, there's no dumb question, you know. So uh, I really feel like, like I'm, I'm giving back uh, to, to the entrepreneurial community by helping these people as much as I can. Um, so, so for me, I, 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 I sleep uh, well at night knowing that, that uh, I'm, you know, my knowledge base is accessible to anyone who wants to join and jump in the party, you know? So. I, I, think, I think that's awesome. And I think that that's what, what I think we have to do. I think to those who much is given, I think we have a big responsibility to find ways to give back. So I think that's great. Hey, James, if somebody's listening to this and, and they're like, I love this guy, I got to find more about James. How do they find you? How do they get in touch? Yeah, the easiest way, I mean, I'm at jamesashcroft.com um, and but I'm spending most of my time now at, at Growing Not Dying. So I was saying, if you, if you want to, you know, jump in, please, you know, just go there, search in the, in the, in the search bar on Facebook, Growing Not Dying. And, uh, you know, there's a, you know, just hit the button, join. And, and uh, I do curate it, you know, make sure that there's a good fit. But, you know, we want to have, basically motivated entrepreneurs. And that doesn't, that just means the keyword is motivated, right? It, it's not a loaded question. I'm not looking for, you know, uh, people with big companies or anything. It's just people who are motivated to change, uh, to learn and to, to, to buy into the, the growth mindset. I think I'm joining as soon as we hang up. 
Awesome. So, Love to have you, Tom. I, I think yep. that's awesome. So I, I want to send out a special thanks, a little shout out to JB Glassinger, the morning coach, uh, for including us both in uh, his little get together because uh, meeting you was uh, not that hanging out with JB wasn't great. If you're listening, JB, it was great. But but meeting you and having you be a neighbor was awesome. I hope our paths cross in person a little more often. Absolutely, Tom. So thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Hey, and thanks to everybody who tunes in. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. Uh, keep telling your friends. I had uh, a couple of people reach out to me this week and say that they would become avid listeners of the podcast. And I asked them, how did you find it? And every single one was somebody at work told them about it or somebody they knew told them about it or somebody tweeted something. So uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you really like the show... Jump over to iTunes and leave a review. That makes my whole day brighter. Uh, I am actually in the process of uh, the next five people to leave a review. Leave the review. Tell me you did it. I'll mail you a copy of one of my books. Uh, My goal is to get up over 200 reviews, and I think I'm sitting at 169, so uh, not not very many more to go. So the next five people, I'll send you a free copy of one of my books, and uh, just go and do that. It makes my whole day brighter. Hey, join us at uh, Facebook. We have the Facebook page for Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do on Twitter, at Cool Podcast. And then, as I said, if you want to get involved with the Potential Mastermind Project, it's not very expensive, and you'll get a lot of attention, not just from me, but from everybody on the group. We have a Facebook group. We do a weekly call. And uh, we try to make it as valuable as possible from the first time you join. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as James Ashcroft. I know you're thinking, how in the world is that possible? But it is. Uh, But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.